is prime time in history to utilize the tool of apologetics. And it's not, like you said, rocket science. You don't have to be versed in um, debate. It's not a debate. You just need to be prepared with your answer. And there are answers. God has given us so much evidence, logic. And there are some people that want to debate you. And honestly, it's okay to engage in a debate as long as it's done in humility and in gentleness. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hey, and thanks for joining me today. Today, I have Sarah Broyhill Anderson with me. She's going to be co-hosting this episode with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about one of our passions, and that is apologetics. Apologetics, something that at this point in time is sorely lacking within the church for the most part, and it's so needed because as we can see, our faith is under attack now more than ever in this nation. I mean, it's nothing new for other parts of the world, but in this nation, it is. You know, apologetics is just one tool, as Sarah likes to say, in the believer's tool belt. Now, I'm thinking about my husband who is a carpenter, and he has a tool belt with various tools. And I know that if he goes on a a job and he has one tool missing that he needs for the job, he can't do the job properly, or he can't even do it at all. And as far as the believer goes, it's the same thing. If we're missing a certain tool in our tool belt, when it comes to defending the faith or leading others to Christ, it can't be done. And apologetics is one such tool, a very important tool that is, as I said, sorely missing. So I invite you to join Sarah and I today as we talk about apologetics, what apologetics is and what apologetics isn't. And how it doesn't take a rocket scientist or someone with a master's in theology, no one special with special gifts, talents, and abilities to learn and understand and be able to employ apologetics so that they can engage. We need to be able to engage in this this culture today, a culture that is very hostile to the faith, to the Christian faith, to God. A culture that has taken our scriptures and twisted them and perverted them and misapplied them. And our young people, because they're ill-equipped to understand not just what they believe, but why they believe what they believe, they're not able to stand firm, to stand strong in the faith, to defend themselves against the lies. And so they're walking away from the church in large numbers, and they're being swallowed up by the current ungodly thinking in today's world. This is part one of a two-part episode. So 
Again, thanks for joining me today. I pray this greatly encourages, equips, and blesses you. Welcome back to One Little Candle, Sarah. How are you? I am good, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I love to have these discussions with you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, from what I hear, I've been doing a little bit better than you. I um, hear that you and your family are recovering from COVID. We are. I have been recovered now for a couple of weeks, but my husband just tested negative, so that's good. Mm. My daughter uh, is almost over it, and all of us, I have five kids, so the four other kids are already over it and have tested negative, but yeah. We we're really blessed. We did not have it terribly, I oh, guess. This good. Time. My husband probably had the worst, but it's hard to tell if it's uh, worse symptoms or just, you know, kind of like the man flu. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing well. Yeah, my sister and her husband went through a bout of that. They went to Florida, of all places, on vacation with their kids. And while they were down there, guess what? They were holed up in a hotel room for quite a while um, recovering, so... Little rough on my sister, more than anybody, but thank God they are on the road to to recovery as well. So, yeah. But anyway, welcome back. I'm so glad to have you on as co-host today, and we're going to be talking about one of the passions that you and I share, and that is apologetics. Yes, very very important. You just finished your Master's of Divinity in apologetics, correct? That is correct. I graduated in May. And so it is all fresh in my mind. I'm going to have to keep it fresh. But no, it's um, very, it's just a passion. I didn't realize it was a passion of mine. Of course, I'm, I'm an attorney by training. Uh, I went to college and, you know, undergrad and studied communication. Then went to law school after that and practiced for a few years before I became a mom. So advocacy, defense is a little bit in my blood, but I really had no idea about any calling to apologetics until really God uh, put it in my path Mm -hmm. and taught me all about it. So that's when I became familiar with it and decided to focus my master's of divinity specifically in apologetics because of what he pressed on my heart for what we're seeing in the world today. (laughs) And because I have five children and I know you have children too and grandchildren that what the struggles that they are particularly having to deal with that apologetics can address and yes. so that was the reason for my focus in that mm-hmm. but how did it become a, a passion for you Rebecca um I think it became a passion for me when I was starting to realize what the lies were that the world was telling especially when they use our scriptures mm-hmm. and they twist them and they pervert them and they try to use them against us yeah. And I see many people, especially our younger generation. Yes. Um, not knowing to, you know, they know what they believe, but they don't know why. Um, not able to defend it. And so they're either backing down or they're buying the lie or it's causing a crisis of faith for them when they can't articulate what's going on. So, yeah, I guess I would almost say anger, kind of, mm-hmm. a righteous anger for how our scripture is being abused and misused. Um, But some people can't go any further than saying that's not how it is. And because people want to know why. I mean, right? We're always confronted with unbelief, especially now. Mm -hmm. The hostility for the Christian worldview, the Christian faith is is growing. So 
if we don't attack the wrong believing, and we have to attack it, of course, using scripture, but if they're perverting it, we got to try to get to the root of it and defend scripture. So that's kind of how I got a love for it was just trying to study, you know, reading all these books, listening to um, apologists, and I'm taking an apologetics course to try and equip myself so that I can in turn equip others to defend what we believe and to do so in a loving manner. Because I think when you don't feel equipped, when you don't have that equipping behind you, I think that's when you tend to lose your loving manner um, in dealing with people because of the frustration. I really think apologetics can reduce that frustration that people feel when confronting unbelief. And I like that. It, it is. It's a frustration. And that brings up a lot of defensiveness, which is different than defending the faith, right? Exactly. So we need to be defensive. We need to have an answer. And that answer is what is logical and appeals to human reasoning. And God gave us that unique ability to reason in order to process ideologies and truths and untruths, lies, you know, and ideologies that are counterfeit so that we can decide for ourselves because he gave us free will. We can make that decision, but he wants to give us the ability to process the information logically so we can make the best informed decision about faith, right? And right now, there's a lot of counterfeit faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean other necessarily big religions. Yes, those are false, but there's a lot of quote unquote spirituality out there. And there's a lot of idols out there that wouldn't even possibly fall under the guise of a religion, but yet they become one's religion, mm. right? But they uh, ascribe to it so fervently and they have faith to believe whatever, even science is as um, provable as some theories are in science. Others require a lot of faith to believe, right? Right. Uh, so that can actually become one's religion if they're going to discard other beliefs and truth, the truth of the Bible in, in favor of that. And so what apologetics does, and this is what I hear you saying, it ties that reason, that evidence from a claim to one's faith, right, or to truth. So do you understand what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Like faith to belief needs to be tied together with more than faith claim to belief. Right. Well, because Christianity does have evidence that backs it. Mm -hmm. Our Christian worldview and our belief is backed by evidence. And for many people, there is an intellectual barrier that needs to be broken through for that faith to kick in. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that engaging in apologetics does. Because I know some people say, now, now, apologetics, that's you're attempting to take the work of the Holy Spirit and replace it with human reasoning. Mm -hmm. But no, people have what they feel are valid intellectual arguments against the Christian faith. So we have to be able to engage with them on that level, mm -hmm. on that platform um, first. I mean, we'll get to that later, but Paul did it mm -hmm. a lot in the in the Bible, so... I mean, what would you, someone said to you, what is apologetics? How would you define that to them? I uh, would define apologetics as a defense, making a defense okay. or advocating for the Christian faith. Because apologetics can be used in any discipline, but Christian apologetics is specifically for the faith, the Christian worldview, and the gospel. 
that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. The foundation of the Christian worldview and everything else flows from that, and it uh, frames our reality, and if you know that that is true, then it shifts your paradigm Mm. from the world to God, from the here and now to eternity. I like that. How you live, right? And so that um, that would be my definition of apologetics. I did like one of my textbooks in Divinity School by Gruthus. Uh, he defined apologetics, and I liked it. He said, Christian apologetics is the rational defense of the Christian worldview as objectively true, rationally compelling, and existentially or subjectively engaging. So that like touches on everything, right? It says objectively true. Truth is not subjective. Truth is exclusive, right? So he says objectively true, rationally compelling because we are rational beings. Yeah. It has to be compelling to our, right? And that's what you were saying. There are intellectual uh, arguments against the faith. So we need to, there's a cognitive dissonance, which is a psychological term that talks about um, when Something that you understand or that you hear does not mesh or align with your beliefs, right? Okay. And if enough people believe that and it's a get, it's opposite or it contradicts what you know to be true or are believed to be true, mm-hmm. then that causes a dissonance, uh, uncomfortable feeling. And you'll try, humans will try to get rid of that discomfort. And so <laughs> we're, rest- we're very good at that. <laughs> Right. And so that's what we're, you know, in the world, we're coming up against a lot of cognitive with Christians. And so some will, will discard their Christian beliefs in order to get rid of that discomfort. But, um, so it needs to also be subjectively engaging because we do have feelings, right? And, And there's, there are things about the Christian faith that we need to appeal to on a subjective level, meaning it is about forgiveness. It's about a free gift of grace. It's about salvation. It's about the end of suffering and tears and pain. These are subjectively engaging. We want these things. And it's what our heart truly desires. Apologetics also appeals to this. It's not all textbook and logic. It is truth. And truth appeals to us on many levels. It's not the only tool that the Christian has in their tool belt, it works in tandem with other tools that we have, such as evangelism and discipleship and apostleship, right? And teaching and prophecy. It enhances those and connects the dots from our reason to the beliefs that we hold and what we hear in the world and how to discern and filter those into what is true and what is not. It connects the dots. I like that. That's a great analogy and a way to put it. And if I could share with you, too, that this kind of building on your definition, Cornelius Van Til wrote a great definition when he defined apologetics. And it says this, with scripture as our sure foundation, we show people that their constant and futile attempt to destroy their relationship to God denies the very reality in which they must live. We show them that only Christianity properly describes and defines who they are, what the world is, and what is our place in that world. Mm -hmm. In fact, we show them that only Christianity can break the bondage of sin that holds captive our thinking, 
living and every other aspect of who we are. All of life is absurd without the truth of Christianity. A Christian apologetic seeks to show that absurdity in anti-Christian worldviews and then to deconstruct those worldviews against the backdrop of the light of the truth in Christ. Yeah. So right along with what you're saying, it encompasses so much more. Our entire being, the reason for our being here, the reason for our existence, it's right. really all wrapped up in apologetics. Mm-hmm. So you had made a good point in one of our previous conversations about apologetics, and you described apologetics as pre-evangelism. Can you please elaborate on that? Yeah. So apologetics is not the only, I think we talked about this tool in the uh, believer's tool belt. If a believer feels strongly about sharing their faith, they're going to share their faith through evangelism. They're going to share the gospel message. Mm-hmm. Um, when that person receives that message, they may have doubts or questions, right? They haven't quite accepted that gospel message yet. That seed has been offered, but it hasn't been accepted. And so what apologetics offers is arguments, logical arguments, and not argumentative arguments, just answers, I guess, and responses that are logical. And that's what an argument is called. Mm -hmm. So in order to overcome those intellectual obstacles to accepting evangelism, accepting the um, gift of God's free gift of grace, to accepting the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, while that's the um, message of the gospel, there are a lot of counter messages in the world that have become part of our worldview, right? Whether we realize it or not, we have partially accepted a lot of the counterfeit truths. They, we kind of weave them together and kind of made a worldview of our own that's half Christian, half worldly, depending on how we were raised and what experiences we've had. And so apologetics, in order to accept that message of the gospel, it breaks down those barriers so that the gospel message can be received. And in that essence, it's free evangelism. It works in, in tandem with evangelism and also works in tandem with discipleship because as one then finally does accept the gospel message, mm. they're going to need to be discipled in the word because in life things will come up and we'll try to snuff out their faith. We'll squeeze out their faith, try and scorch out their faith especially worldly desires or persecution. And so apologetics helps them rationally overcome those obstacles and those challenges. And so an apologist will also have to be a disciple and they'll have to come alongside uh, a new believer until that new believer is to the point where they can also be an evangelist and an apologist and go and produce that fruit in other lives and plant Mm -hmm. the gospel seed. So it's a cycle. And so apologetics is necessary in order to break down those obstacles and those barriers to accepting all of the other tools that there are in the believer's tool belt to promote the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Mm, There you go. So apologetics benefits both the unbeliever and Mm -hmm. the believer, right? And as you're saying, it's removing doubts that are going to hinder their spiritual growth. So it's a benefit to both the unbeliever and the believer. The unbeliever, it can lead them to Christ. 
Um, we can provide through apologetics an opposing answer to anti-God reasoning, anti-biblical reasoning, and provide okay. a defense of the, the Christian faith or the Bible. So yeah, great benefit all the way around, for sure. Yeah, it's also necessary. And necessary, and you know, necessary, but you were talking about so like, uh, absent in the churches, Sarah. Yeah. So yeah. absent in the churches. I just, I don't, I don't understand. You, you were saying that there are some misconceptions. Why don't you talk about that? Yes, there are misconceptions. These misconceptions about apologetics, of course, they come from the Christian community. Right. And first of all, we tend to believe that apologetics is somehow for this different class of Christians or what you could say someone might call an elite Christian. I like logic, just like you, Rebecca. I believe in Jesus and faith is all I need. And I believe in the free gift of grace and his love. Mm -hmm. But I like to think and I like to teach the logic of the Bible. So because that's in conformity to the culture, right? Or to the Christian culture that says only faith, no thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Intellectual Christian that is thinking Christians. You don't have to be brilliant, but you like to think and you like to have a reason. You engage your reasoning ability, and that's a good thing. That's a gift from God. He designed us that way, right? Mm -hmm. And He wants us. He said, Come, let us reason together. He said to the Israelites mm -hmm. when, uh, in the I think it was in Isaiah that he said this. He wants us to reason through our faith, not because we need the reason to accept Him. Faith is enough, but it does support our faith, especially in a world that's completely hostile to the faith. A lot of intellectual thinking Christians are discouraged right now. They feel like they should not be doing what they're doing. Rebecca, that argument by the church against apologists or thinking Christians, it is false. God doesn't discourage unless mm -hmm. he discourages us from sin. But thinking is not a sin. It doesn't mean that we are supplanting our faith with thinking, mm -hmm. right? It just yeah. means that we're supporting our faith with thinking. And defending our faith with thinking, right? And defending right. it yeah. against lies, against heresy. With mm -hmm. So many things that we can defend our faith against with our intellect. Yes. God-given intellect. Oh my gosh, I was so discouraged myself because that's what I'm hearing. When I first decided to focus my Master's of Divinity in apologetics, mm. I had well-meaning, I'm sure, leader of my church at the time tell me to my face, don't do it. Really? And I was, and he said, you cannot argue anyone into faith. And I thought, you know what? Let me stop you right there. Tell that to C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Tell that to Lee Strobel and Dr. Vody Balcom, and I know there's many other godly men within the church that were led to faith through apologetics. <laughs> right. It can lead people to faith. <laughs> I mean, but the gospel message and the work of the Holy Spirit is what actually, right, helps them to receive and to accept the gospel message. Yes. So, okay. So then apologetics is the seed. You know, we're not trying to take the place of the Holy Spirit in this. Only the Holy Spirit can convict and yes. bring to repentance. Okay. But. That's pre-evangelism and it comes along. Exactly. That is, it's digging up the soil. It's softening the soil, preparing the soil. It weeds the soil, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's how you can look at apologetics because they also believe that we have to have this enormous amount of knowledge about scientific theories, logic, debate, 
um, requires stuff that a regular Christian just doesn't have, and, and so we don't engage. But I beg to differ with that thought that we need to have all this again. But I have a passion for the truth. And so that passion for God's truth drives me to study, mm-hmm. to get the resources. We have access to so many materials out there to learn apologetics, to learn what the lies are, to learn how to articulate the truth, to weigh the, the truth, to weigh the evidence. So many resources out there. And believe me, I am not schooled in scientific theories and logic and debate. Right. Well, you're good. But I think people have a miss, like this man who told me that has a misunderstanding of what apologetics is. We're not arguing. We're not arguing, right? I think of the scene from uh, A Few Good Men, mm-hmm. right? Whether mm-hmm. I, I want the truth, right? And he responds, <laughs> you can't handle the truth. As a courtroom battle where people are screaming at each other and the loudest yes. person is the yes. one who wins. And no, this is a methodical, logical appeal to reason through the evidence in the world, the natural world, through the evidence within scripture. There is evidence within, you know, the science, science even that can reflect back to and, and evidence the existence of the one true God. We're not arguing anyone into faith. We are assisting the gospel message in a world with landmines everywhere. We're helping people avoid the landmines or dismantle the landmines so that they can walk through faith, right? So can I talk a little bit about the word argue yeah. real quick? Because there's different kinds of arguing. A lot of people think is arguing is in your face, pointing your finger, right? yelling voices raised, okay? But there is a kind of arguing that is, is a good thing. You know, I always love to look up word definitions and their synonyms in studying something. So we've defined apologetics. Right. But there are synonyms, okay, words for apologetics that I looked up. And here are some of the words for apologetics. Advocate, helper, backbone, pillar, pillar, preserver, defender, comforter, expounder, upholder, Tower of Strength, Champion, and get this one, Angel. Oh, wow. I I kid you not. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. So, again, reasoning, arguing. um, Paul argued for the faith. He reasoned in the book of Acts, right, with the Jews. That's right. Yep. Uh, uh, He was beaten. For his testimony, <laughs> he was sent before the tribunal. He was going to be martyred for the faith. And he said, please hear the defense that I have for you. Yes. Let me make defense. That word that he used there in Acts 22, 1 is apologia. That is, mm-hmm. he was making a defense. In First uh, Peter, first Peter three fifteen, right? The most famous is First Peter three fifteen, and mm-hmm. he, there in that uh, Peter is saying, "Always be prepared to give that answer." So he called it not a defense; there he called it an answer. Again, it's a def- it is though a response to people's attacks on your faith. Well, yes. Rebecca, this is what we we're talking about at the beginning. When in history have we had such a blatant 
attack on Christianity, the brothels, <laughs> the abortion clinics, mm-hmm. the, the bars, mm-hmm. or at least maybe not the bars, but the liquor stores are all open during a, this uh, lockdown mm-hmm. or quarantine, you know, in the world. And while we're opening up in the United States, there's threats that it's going to be locked up again. But when it was locked up, they kept those things open, but they shut down churches. They were mm-hmm. arresting ministers mm-hmm. who were and worship uh, leaders who were continuing to worship God. When in history, you know, I'm sure that there have been times in history we can look back, but in the recent history, there is such a hostility towards Christianity. That means attacks against your faith. That's why, just like Paul and Peter, we need to be prepared with an answer, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't, it is prime time in history to utilize the tool of apologetics. And it's not, like you said, rocket science. You don't have to be versed in um, debate. It's not a debate. You just need to be prepared with your answer. And there are answers. God has given us so much evidence, logic. And there are some people that want to debate you. And honestly, it's okay to engage in a debate as long as it's done in humility and in gentleness and respect. Um, go ahead, debate it, because you know what? It, it might just give someone something to think about. And perhaps later on down the road, what you debated with them, along comes the Holy Spirit and the light comes on and repentance follows and uh, a life submitted to Christ. That's right. It, Jude 3 is coming to my mind as well, where we're told to contend earnestly for the faith. So here I went again to look up the um, definition for contend. We know contend's a verb. And it says to state something as a reason in support of or against something that's under consideration or to state as a fact. And then it says usually forcefully. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. Usually forcefully. And synonyms for contend are the first one, argue, assert, maintain, plead, justify, defend, uphold, and reason. Reason is closest to what that word in the original Greek meant, mm-hmm. right? And so the when we reason with someone, and that's what God said when he was speaking through Isaiah to the Israelites, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. He wants us to reason. And I agree with you. We should engage this culture so that we're not being relegated to the private sphere, that our faith we can exercise our faith in public. We don't want to force our faith on anyone. God gave us free will. Those who will choose get to decide for themselves, right? We don't want a government that forces Christianity on anyone or any religion for that right. matter. We want to choose for ourselves, but we want to be able to have the ability to get the information to choose, and they're shutting that down. Yes, yes. We need to be able to share the information, and that's what apologetics does. It is a sharing of information, of facts and evidences that links the claim to the belief. Mm-hmm. And faith does link claims of truth to belief, but we are not. God doesn't require only faith. He says faith is all that's required, but he doesn't only give us faith he gives us the evidence to support it as well and we need now more than ever in a world that's like you shutting it down we need to be able to articulate the reason absolutely to articulate it if i could um read Acts 17 i would like to read where the bible talks about paul yeah um and it's acts 17 verses 1 through 3 and it says 
Now, when they had traveled through Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the, the towns where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scripture, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus who I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Mm-hmm. Three Sabbaths. Yeah. And and in reasoning and giving evidence and persuading and convincing, this is okay to do with gentleness and respect, right? Because all that we do as apologists have to be has to be done just like an evangelist, a disciple. And again, an apologist is not solely an apologist. An apologist is an evangelist, apologist, is a disciple, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Right? Mm-hmm. But if we don't do it with the fruit of the spirit then we are undermining the body of Christ, right? So you cannot divorce the apologist from the apologetics. The character of who is disseminating this information and this evidence matters. And that's, you know, Paul and Peter were fabulous examples of perfect apologists and evangelists and teachers and apostles, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't just use one. They chose the proper tool depending on the situation. And in Acts 17, he was an apologist. Exactly. That's the hat he put on there. And remember, Paul said, I am everything to everyone so that I might save some. You have to switch hats depending on the situation. And it doesn't mean inauthentic. It's, It's a tool. Yes, yes. Discernment, right? You have to practice your discernment there. Um, right. In doing so, yeah, I was just going to read Acts 19 too quick because, again, there's another example of Paul. It says, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So we know that apologetics happened in the Bible. Paul did and Peter, Jude, we're just, we're commanded to give evidence, to defend it in a way that obviously is pleasing and, and honoring to God because that, by the way, was one of the other fallacies. Um, People tend to think that apologetics requires some sort of edge of confidence or arrogance. And again, no, no, no arrogance. These aren't our truths. These are the truths of the Bible. These are God's truths that we're defending. So there's no reason to be arrogant at all, but grateful that God has shown us um, how to defend it. And yes. he's, he's raised up great, wonderful people to show us how to defend that truth. The only question that really remains is, are we willing to do our homework? Are we willing to study to show ourselves approved? Mm-hmm. Right? That's really, really the, the big question. Right. Yeah, if you're a passionate Christian about sharing your faith and you're using discernment about the circumstances of today, then you're going to need some apologetics in order to properly and effectively evangelize, disciple, and everything else. It, it's indispensable today. We really have to study. And it doesn't mean argumentation and study debate. It means studying the scriptures, as you said. Mm-hmm. So and how they're true, how they're logical, how they're evidence-based, how they're based in history, how they 
our uniquely fulfilled prophecy, which is unheard of in other religions. And this appeals to the intellect, right, as well as the other parts of our being that needs further questions answered, right? So, yeah, it's so important. I just love that you're doing this with one little candle. Thank you. I just, you are. It starts small. It starts with one little candle and together we can make a big bright light, you know? Exactly. Just we've, we've got to link arms as they say, right? Um, right? Let our light shine. And that's one way, you know, learning how to defend the truth in a way that's God honoring is glorifying God. You know, that flame burning within you is bright at that time. Yeah. And this is where we're going to end today's episode. And we'll conclude next week with part two, where I chat more with Sarah Broyhill Anderson on the necessity of Christian apologetics for the Christian. We'll discuss the dire consequences that mostly our young people are suffering due to an epidemic of biblical illiteracy, conforming to the culture, this crisis of faith, that so many are finding themselves in and their inability to refute these cleverly concocted lies. These lies that are becoming more and more prevalent and they're cleverly concocted by Satan, our enemy. They masquerade as truth and they cause confusion and chaos to those who, who don't know why they believe what they believe. Listen, if we can't engage and confront the lies with the irrefutable truths of God, again, by knowing why we believe what we believe, and, and to be able to, to defend, to confidently, clearly articulate those truths. This enemy of ours that has cleverly concocted the lies to begin with, he wins, the enemy wins, when it comes to a person's soul. So please come back and join Sarah and I next week as we continue and conclude our episode about apologetics. And so the question I also ask every week, how can you be that one little candle, right, that Sarah was just talking about as we ended this episode? Be that one little candle by digging into God's word. Make it a priority in the best way that you can. And listen, I know you have a lot of things tugging at you, especially if you have little ones in the house still, okay? But we will always be busy with things in life. But our number one priority, right, is to live out truth, to know it and to live it out. We can't live it out if we don't know it. Learn how to defend your faith. Learn what the lies are in this culture. The more I study and learn about what the lies are, the more <laughs> shocked I am. They keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming through attacks on our scripture. And our young people, your children, your grandchildren, they are being fed garbage, lies. Help them to defend it. You can't help them unless you yourself know. Study to show yourself approved. Find the time here and there. Maybe instead of watching a Netflix feature, which usually is garbage, right? Turn off the TV. Pick up a book. Look at some apologetics resources. Um, there's YouTube videos about it. Sarah and I will provide you with as many resources as we can. 
but get yourself involved in the game. Contend for the faith. The Bible commands us to know not just what you believe, but why you believe it. Until next week, you take care and God bless.